0: I'm going to go ahead and ask you to pray with me and we're going to jump right into today's message. Father God, we thank you so much for this day that you have made to be glorified in. You've made it for us to wake up again and fill our breath with uh, our lungs with breath and then praise you as our exhale. We actually recognize you, Father, as the God worthy of worship on the first day, that the day before the week begins, we come to you and bring our, th- our, our um, offerings of worship that you be glorified, made known among the nations, and Father, be made known again in our own hearts. So thank you for that opportunity to worship today. I pray, Lord, this morning as we open your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher, that you would anoint the message and the hearing that we might actually learn something today together. I pray against any worldly wisdom or wisdom of man, but only, Father, the things that are beneficial for uh, you, your glory, your kingdom, and your people. May you manifest this among us as only you can. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're jumping into a new series as we mentioned today called To Tell the Truth, and it's been something that's been on my mind for a while. So you happen to be here for the first week. It's gonna be a four-week series, I believe, and so you can kind of be ready for that, and then we'll go to other things. I was thinking about some uh, fundamental principles that we ought to hold to as disciples of Jesus. And if you don't know this already, I've said this a few times to you in passing, right? That if no one else is willing to tell the truth, we ought to be truth tellers, right, in the world. And uh, I celebrate that. And so this has been something that's been on my heart for a while and it's kind of been building. This isn't the mark of a disciple, but it's one of the marks of discipleship, I think. And so we're gonna kind of walk through this in a four-week series and we're gonna talk about a few things. So the first thing I wanna do, and we're gonna do it today, is I want to expose the enemy, to be a liar, okay? That's a weird way to start a series on truth to say We're going to talk about lying, but you know, that's what we're going to do today, and we're going to expound that from God's word together. And In the second week, we're going to talk about our own need to stop being dishonest in our lives. Uh, the third week, we're going to talk about our, our call to speak the truth in love and what that means, which can be really interesting. And in the fourth week, we're going to settle down on this idea as God as the ultimate truth Tell her Now, just laying out those four things right there, there's lots of controversy in there and lots of things that people may not agree with. Now, you're in church, you might go, I agree with all that stuff, but I'm saying that by and large, these are not agreed facts, that there is one who speaks truth in our lives. As a matter of fact, um, there was a movie a while ago where uh, this quote came out, and I want to share it with you this morning. It says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he didn't exist. And that's actually a quote from a movie called The Usual Suspects, which is kind of a classic. But interestingly, I looked it up because I'm like, who said that? And ironically, I would say it was Kevin Spacey, the actor, who said those words. If you keep up with Kevin Spacey, but deception abounds in our lives. It ought to be a warning to all of us. And so I'm going to ask this one as we kind of begin to get into study, uh, the study, the, or the, the, the word today, um, what do you believe about the devil, why do you believe what you believe about the devil? Now, I know I'm treading on some interesting ground here because I've often heard it said that you don't want to preach more about the devil. I, I preach about Jesus, you know what I mean? And so we don't want to do anything to overinflate the enemy. But it is important that we recognize that we do have an enemy. Many people today can believe in a Christianity that has no adversary, that has no ulterior, that has no one who's fighting against the very things that Christ has called you. Two. And so we're going to do, do what we do, which we're going to go right to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles. Hopefully, you brought one with you. If you did not, grab one on the tables in the back. Um, and open to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we're going to look at two verses here John chapter 8, verses 44 and 45. I'm just going to read them. Jesus is speaking. And this is what he says. Hear the word. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there was no, wait, for there is no truth in him. I'm gonna say that again. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, because he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 45. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. <laughs> those are Jesus' words, right? And the first thing I think is important to ask is, who is Jesus talking to here? Who is Jesus talking to? Because those are like, yeah, he's getting those people, you know, those, those Bad people. He's the you're the father, your father's the devil. Check out who he's talking to. If you look back in verse 13, it says this. The Pharisees challenged Jesus. So he's talking to the Pharisees about this. By the way, a fun fact I learned this morning is that uh the Pharisees were lovers of money. I never caught that before in scripture, but it's in the Gospel of Luke. The Pharisees are lovers of money. And so he's speaking to the Pharisees who've come to challenge him. But more than that, if you, if you scroll down a little bit and look at verse 22, this will throw you for a little bit of a loop maybe. It says, this made the Jews ask, uh, will he kill himself? Or um, why he, is that why he says, where you go, I cannot come? Actually, that's them asking questions. This one might trip you up. Uh, 31, look at verse 31. And to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said... If you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. So I want to lay out the format of who Jesus is talking to. He's being challenged by the Pharisees, right? The teachers, the, the high religious people who loved money, side note. And, but, but that's not the main point here. And he's being challenged by them. He's speaking to the Jewish nation about who he is, the Jewish people, right? And then lastly, and most intriguingly, he's talking to the Jews who were becoming believers, what? The word says, to the Jews who had believed, and I'm like, wait, that means they're saved, they believe in Jesus Christ? Actually, it means they're being convinced. And so the way I want to say that to you this morning is Jesus is addressing people here who are, who are, who are righteous in their own eyes, Pharisees, who are asking questions and who are actively being persuaded in real time. To those people, Jesus says, your father is the devil, what does that mean? This conversation, if you read it in context, revolves around the whole thing about whose father is who. By what authority does Jesus have? As a matter of fact, Jesus says in this, in this chapter that the father testifies about me, and if you knew the father, you would know me, right? And they claim their own fraternity, their own paternity as being that of Abraham. Jesus says the conversation is about whose father is. His is, now listen to this, and whose father ours are. Let's just walk through this slowly now. Verse 44, he says this to those who are being convinced that he is who he says he is. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He basically says this, y'all, and it's plural, y'all belong to... To your, to the devil, and um, he is your father. That here's a radical thought. We belonged. Oh, I'm gonna say this now. We belonged to the devil from birth. What? You see, we do all these things to kind of go, oh, look, aren't they angels and aren't they cute? But the truth is, now hear me, church, that until we encounter Jesus Christ, we belong to the liar. Here's no way we can say that. And we've been lied to our whole lives. We've not known truth until Jesus shows up. This is the broad brush he uses here. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil. And your father's desires are in you. You want the things of the devil. Wait, you want the things of this world. What else does Jesus say? That one is a murderer, wants to kill one another, wants to kill others. That one does not stand in the truth. And then the last thing he says, and most profoundly, and there is no truth in him. So the first thing I want you to know is that now you will hear me. There is a liar. <laughs> there is a liar. So many people would live their lives as if to deny that there's a liar at all, that, that, that we've somehow accumulated all the wisdom of the ages ourselves, as if that we know best and that God doesn't know anything. That, that we have nothing left to learn, that we have no conversion to be had. Listen, that we have no repentance to make. We are the truth-tellers, so we say. But Jesus rebukes us. He says, no, you belong to the devil, a murderer who doesn't stand in the truth. As a matter of fact, there's no truth to be found in him. goes on to say here in 44, you want to carry your father's daughter. He was a murderer from the beginning and holding no truth because there was no truth in him. Here it is. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue because he is a liar and he is the father of lies. It says this, when he speaks falsehoods into our lives, and the word is pseudos, right? Like pseudonym, a fake name, right? Like um, that's the Greek it's, it's his own speech. It's his own language because it's all he has. I'm going to lean on this really hard this morning because I want you to know that the devil will never tell you the truth. Never. We kind of read the stories, and we're going to read a couple of them today, and we kind of go, well, he's kind of telling, no, he's lying. It's all he does. The enemy, we're going to talk about who he is or how he functions lies. Now, I I don't want to put this on you as if it's not on me. I want you to know this morning that as I prepared the message, I had to wrestle all week with reality that the devil is lying to me actively in my life, hoping to deceive me. And the same is true for you. There is a liar, and all he does is lie. Jesus here doesn't say sometimes he tells the truth. Sometimes he gets it right. Sometimes he's in for you. No, he only knows how to lie. It's actually his language, lying, deceit, pseudos, to deceive. And not only is he a liar, but he's the father of lies, Jesus is challenging those who would consider following him that they have always been lied to and that even now, in the moment, he's speaking to them, they're being lied to. And you have to see that here, right? That he doesn't say like, and you've left it all behind and now you know the truth and you're all good. He's like, and right now you're being deceived. You know how I know? He's going to tell you, because you're rejecting me. I know you're being deceived because you're refusing to come to me who God has sent to save you. Now, if you're like me, and you're like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, I believe that. We're going to get there, but we have to sit with this idea and take it seriously that there is a deceiver who seeks to deceive, that from the very beginning, we belong and believe the liar by default, and were it not for Christ breaking in our life, were it not for God speaking truth into our broken, sinful, dead situation, we would be hopelessly lost, but Jesus shows up to tell the truth. Jesus comes to speak into our lives to refute the lie. So I want to ask a question then. Do you believe that there is a liar who lies? Or are you like, well, that's just that old stuff, man? It doesn't apply anymore. We're beyond being deceived. Do you believe that it's the liar's goal to deceive you in any way possible, in any way that you might give him a little more credit in your life? You might listen a little closer to the lie. Deception is a huge issue for all of us. Jesus then says this next thing, he says, the the deceiver always lies. That's the second thing, is the liar always lies. That's all he does. Jesus calls this liar, by the way, diablos here, right? Diablos, you've heard that before. We actually use it pretty commonly in language these days, diablo, right? I got some saw blades that are diablo blades, right? Named after the deceiver, but Diablo is actually from the root word uh, Diabolo, which means to throw back and forth. Diablos is defined like this. The liar who always lies does it through Diablos, which is being slanderous, speaking falsehoods, and listen to this, being accusatory, Right? Saying things that aren't true, but in a way that's vicious toward us. As a matter of fact, the idea of Diablos is that the goal is to tear down, not to build up. (laughs) It's, It's akin to throwing stones at people. The Diablo is throwing stones, it's what the devil does. He throws stones at God's people. He throws stones at God's creation. And he's only hoping to get a reaction, to get you to fall. By the way, I would point this out. And the Diablo's here. It says the devil, it sounds like a noun, but it's not a noun. It's an adverb. No, it's an adjective. <laughs> it's an adjective rooted in a verb, diablo, and so, or diabalo. And so the adjective does not It's not a noun of who he is, but it is an adjective of what he does. He deceives, he goes back and forth. The root means to be throwing words or stones or accusations your way, hoping that something will stick, hoping that you might be destroyed. Wow. Do we believe that that's true? Let me ask you this question, and I mean it in the presence of God. What lies do you continue to believe? What lies are you believing today? And I'm asking it of myself. In what ways am I currently being deceived? Maybe. And I don't know if you're here today. Maybe you believe there's no God. There is no God. I was trying to think of the most fundamental lies, and I think that that's probably the most fundamental lie because if you can get there is no God through the door, then everything else is palatable. If if there's no truth teller, then every option is on the table, all the deceit is available. But maybe you're here today and you believe that there is no God. Maybe. You're here today and you believe that there is a God, but God isn't good. Have you ever heard that? I've heard so many people say that. If God is so good, then why X? If God is so good, then why Y? Questioning his goodness. Questioning his good intent for his people. One more step. Questioning his good intent for his creation. Well, if there is a God, then maybe not a good God. Do you believe that lie today? Here's another one. Maybe you believe that there is a God, maybe you believe that there is a good God, but maybe you believe the lie that God does not love you. Oh, sure, God's good for those people over there, those hoity-toity, fancy, you know, pharisaical. (laughs) But not me. God doesn't love me. Are you believing that lie today? God doesn't love you. One more. Are you here to say believing that if you were God it would be better? <laughs> See, that's the thing we do, right? If I were in charge, then we'd get some things done around here. <laughs> Questioning not you know not only uh, not God's presence and not God's goodness. I mean you're questioning those things in some way, but to say, but if I was in charge, it would be better. And we're gonna talk about some stories in the Bible today where people said, if I had set that up, it would be a different situation. God didn't know what he was doing, apparently, when he made these situations. Questioning God's sovereignty, acting as if us and all our deceit de- deceptive, no, deceived knowledge could make a better decision than God. Maybe believe that lie today. That if we were God, it would be better. Well, verse 45, Jesus answers all these things about the liar and the lies. And and it's this, that Jesus speaks truth. Look at verse 45. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. See, he not only says, you deceived your whole life, but it's actually the very fact that Jesus is speaking truth to us that we don't believe him, that we're being deceived. Because he does absolutely speak truth, and we don't choose to believe him. He says things that are accurate. Jesus always speaks the truth. But because of that, we choose not to believe him. Jesus, we talked about this before, but I'm going to do it one more time here. So we has got Diablos who is deceiving, throwing stones, going back and forth. Here's a wild thing. The word for truth is alethean in the Greek, and it means a thing not hidden, a thing not concealed, a thing that would not escape your notice, a thing that cannot be hidden, or a thing, get this, or a fact that will be proved factually right in the end. You see, speaking a truth that underlies everything The problem that the Pharisees and all the folks, including us, have is that Jesus speaks truth that just resonates in our lives even when we don't want to agree. (laughs) Jesus says you must repent of your sin. We don't want to agree, but there's a resonance of truth that yes, I must repent of my sin. He speaks truth in a broad context into our lives and into the people's lives around him that requires a response. Jesus always tells the truth. He always speaks truth. And he's saying things that are not hidden. I've, I'm always fascinated by this, by the way, because I think some of our great um, vocations in life are truth tellers, right? Like right now, there's a bunch of people who podcast. My favorite thing about the, my favorite podcasters are ones who just say, true things. Even if they don't agree or understand it, they'll just say the true thing, right? What they know to be true. Or maybe there's a musical artist and you like their music because they say true things that resonate with you. And you're like, yeah, that's, that sounds right. Or, or um, maybe it's some, someone else you like to go to. Oh, here's another one, by the way. Um, uh, stand-up comedians. They're only funny if they say true things. If they say things we're trying to deceive you, it's not really that funny. But when they speak truth, you laugh because you're uncomfortable. That's kind of true for me. In preaching, by the way, some people call that reading your mail. That's not a preacher. That's the word of God speaking truth into our lives. Jesus says that we know these things to be true on some level. That means to say that the Pharisees and the um, questioning Jews and the the Jews who who are being convinced on some level knew he was being accurate and correct when he was saying, I belong to the Father and you don't know the Father. Yet, we choose to reject Jesus for our own various reasons or maybe more accurately, we reject Jesus because we're deceived. Uh, Something else is better. Uh, Someone else will tell me the real truth. Jesus says, I now speak the truth, yet you do not believe me. So do you believe what Jesus says? Or is it a competition in your life? Maybe. Or maybe I believe someone else. My favorite podcaster or my favorite musician or my favorite comedian do you believe what Jesus says? Here's another. Do you even know what Jesus says? Do you know what Jesus says about you? And Do you believe that? Or do you know what Jesus says about sin and believe that? Do you know what Jesus says about this world that we live in? And do you believe that? The most profound thing about Jesus is he always speaks the truth and he continues to speak the truth. It resonates in our soul. We know no matter how deceived we are, and that's what I think is happening, he's calling us out of death to life, from lies to truth, and we know it. We know he's speaking truth. Well, I want us to turn back to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and we're going to read a story about how Satan tries to deceive even Jesus himself. This is remarkable because it's Jesus, but also because it's at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And uh, I'm going to pick up in verse 1 of chapter 4. This is what the word says Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Here come temptations. Verse three. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, let tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answers, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him an instant, the kingdoms of all the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and all their splendor because it has been granted to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to give it to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus replied, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point in the temple. If you are the son of God, the devil said, throw yourself down from here, because it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting. He left Jesus until an opportune time. So we know the story, the temptation of Jesus, but I want you to see the audacity of the enemy of God. If you believe in your life that you're not being deceived in any way, that there's no Diablos, there's no double-minded, no throwing stones at you, no throwing words that are accusations against you, why would you think that? The devil attacked Jesus in the same way, tempting him, hoping to get him to submit. Now we know it's Jesus, and I I know we're not Jesus, but I want you to see what's happening. That Jesus was tempted by the same stone thrower, the same deceiver, and he was tempted in three ways. I'm not gonna preach this. I'm gonna share it with you quickly, though. He was tempted, first of all, for immediate gratification. Get what you want right now. He's hungry, make some bread. Command it, and it will be so. He's secondly tempted with this idea that he ought to worship anything or anyone except the Father. Now you could make it, he says, worship me, and he does say worship me, but he's like, and if you want these things, which means you might worship them, then worship me and you'll get these things. I have this authority that's been granted to me. And then the third thing, so to worship something besides the Father, and the third thing is he was tempted to test God, to demand that God would prove God's self to Jesus, these temptations might resonate with us. Our immediate gratification, it's not the way I want it right now. To worship something or someone besides the Heavenly Father Himself. To give ourselves over to worldly possessions or things of this passing age. Or to go, if you are God, prove yourself to me. I want you to notice, though, how Jesus responds. It is written, it is written, it is said. You see, Jesus himself knows the truth and the truth-teller. And Jesus, I always say this could have said anything he wanted here, but he uses the scripture to refute the devil. Oh, interestingly, by the way, that we did a study last fall in our family group where we talked about. The lies and deception that we're in, and they encouraged us, the author of the material, to speak aloud the things we believe to be true about Jesus, and to speak aloud the things that we reject about the devil's lies, and I'm like, why would you do that? That's kind of a weird thing, and where's that in Scripture? And I was kind of trying to figure it out and stuff, but here's what I think the intent of the author was, that we give the devil, Diablos, too much credit. The enemy doesn't know what we're thinking. God knows what we're thinking. And so there's something in, and we tried this, I tried this, to say the things out loud. I don't believe that lie. I believe what Jesus says about me. And, and to actually say the things that the enemy might know that you belong to Christ. Jesus responds using scripture to refute the devil's temptations. How do you respond to the devil's lies in your own life? The tempter comes. What tools do you use to refute his deceptive work? And our last stop we're going to go all the way to the beginning of the Bible, all the way to Genesis chapter 3, because this is where it all starts. (laughs) Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now, the serpent was more crafty than all of the wild animals that the Lord had made, and he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman replied to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will surely die. Verse four, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, because God knows that when you eat, of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. The deception in God's perfect creation, a serpent to Eve. What's going on here? Only two things I want to point out. Questioning what God actually said. Did God really say you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? (laughs) That's a lie. Like, that's a lie. That's the first lie. He didn't say any tree, and Eve knows that. She's like, no, he didn't say any. He said not that tree, and also don't touch it. Guess what? That's a lie, too. He didn't say don't touch it. You can read for yourself what he actually said. But here's the second thing that the liar says. You will not surely die from this. These deceptions aren't gonna kill you. They're just little things little lies you you're not going to die from this it's, it's not going to cost you everything and you know the story having been deceived and believing the deceiver adam and eve ate and it cost them their life it cost them the garden you see the deceiver always seeks to deceive if there's any way to get a wedge between you and god Between you and Jesus Christ, the deceiver is working, the Diabolos throwing stones. I wonder today who do you believe? Who do you believe as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Who do you believe as one who is following him? This isn't all that Jesus said. John 14, 5 and 6, I want to share with you on the screen says this. Thomas, by the way, one of my favorite apostles, (laughs) he says, uh, how can we know the way that you're going? Jesus is talking about his death and resurrection. Jesus says this, I, Jesus answers Thomas, praise the Lord, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'll say that again. Thomas says, how can we know the way, to where you're going? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes it all about himself in that moment. It's all about Jesus. Why do I want to share this with you? Because people hear that verse and they say, That can't possibly be true. Like, there's another way, right? I mean, Jesus is one way, but not the way. I mean, there's ways to the Father away from Jesus, apart from Jesus. You can go around Jesus. I want to tell you this morning that that's a lie. It's a lie from the devil. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Not only does he speak truth, Jesus is truth. And if you choose to enter in, you must choose to enter in through him. There's no exception to the rule. Why would I have to say that as a preacher so emphatically? Because so many people are determined to find any other way. So what about you? What's your way forward? What are you going to choose to believe? The deceiver or Jesus? The truth or the lie? Pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus who breaks into our lives and speaks truth, breaks into our lives and speaks truth in a way that it's um, undeniable. We thank you for uh, revealing yourself to us through him. And I pray this morning a prayer of faith because. There are areas of our lives where we are tempted to be deceived, that we have a tendency to wander away. And so, Lord, I pray that in your mercy and grace, you will continue to draw us near to that truth that is not hidden. The true truth that we ought to follow. And, Lord, before we would pray for the deceived world, I pray we would first recognize the deception in our own lives and rebuke it and reject it and repent of it that we would leave it behind for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would speak truth and that we would listen to you. And then, Lord, as we're in the world, that we would be part of your truth-telling message. Father, over the next few weeks, we study what it means to tell the truth. I pray that it would be empowered by your Holy Spirit and guided by your hand, that we might be more useful as your servants. We love you so much. We thank you for the gospel that sets us free. And we thank you, Father, for the sacrifice Jesus makes on the cross that we might even know you at all. We give you praise and glory in his name. Amen.